You are listening to the podcast of Anthem Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, visit us online at anthemcolumbia.com. Morning. This is it's kind of fun being in here, right? It's a little bit different. Um, it's kind of the the fun part about about being a mobile church. You know the. Uh, the charm of being a mobile church is you never quite know what you're going to get when you come to church in the morning, which I kind of like. I don't know about you, but I kind of like that. My name is Luke Hedinger. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, we're going to be getting into Ephesians chapter 3 this morning. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. And if you don't have a Bible, again, we're, we're pretty young, new church, and there's a lot of people that coming in from all different walks of life, all different places. And if you don't have a Bible, we, we want to get a Bible into your hands. So we've got Bibles out at what we call Info Central, that place, the table with the, the banners out front. Um, so if you don't have a Bible, we would love for you to grab one of those. Uh, the paperback ones are free. Uh, the other ones, we just, you know, it's at kind of at cost. So um, just, just grab one of those. But for us this week, we, we're going to go into Ephesians 3 in just a second. But uh, this week, we were in the hospital for, for most of the week, and just want to say thank you for those of you who were praying for us, and for a lot of you, you're like, yeah, I didn't know that at all, and that's fine, um, but and uh, we, we uh, yeah, it's cool how when we moved down from Iowa, and, and you know, you kind of, I don't know if you've ever been in that stage of life where it's like, okay, one thing gets done, and then okay, now the next thing, and, and, and thing after thing after thing, and yet in the midst of that, God is gracious. So I just want to say that first and foremost. Uh, praise God for that. It's interesting, too, as we, as we continue to do church, and as we continue to figure out what anthem church is going to look like, and, and pastoring, and shepherding people, and, and the campus ministry, if you caught what Stan said, a lot of you know about Salt Company already, which is the campus ministry of, of Anthem Church. As we, as we continue to figure it out, it's fun to me to keep thinking, okay, we're six weeks in, we're seven, eight, nine, I'm not sure where we're at right now, um, but it's just crazy how time just keeps going really quickly. Uh, the, you guys are like in the middle of, those of you who are in school, you're in the middle of the semester and, and things are ramping up. We're getting close to Thanksgiving and, and uh, I'm excited to see, I grew up in Kirksville, Missouri, but I haven't been in Missouri for, for a while and I'm excited to see what winter looks like here because we come from Iowa, which is just the frozen tundra, like wasteland of, of the United States. Um, I'm sure there are worse places, but yeah, I'm excited to see what Missouri looks like. Part of it, too, I'm excited for, like, Christmas. Do you guys, I, I love, <laughs> this is a little bit weird, but I love when I go into Walmart, and it's, like, not even Halloween, and there's Christmas decorations out, which is a little weird, but at the same time, I just, like, I get excited when I think about Christmas, even now. Like, Halloween's coming up, that's awesome. I love Thanksgiving, have a lot of fun, but Christmas, I, and I think part of it is I love I love mystery. Do you guys, I, I, Christmas, leading up to Christmas, like the night, I'm still very much a child in, in a lot of ways. But the night before Christmas, I'm just like, you know, like the kids, I'm telling the kids, you guys got to go to sleep. You got to go to sleep. And they're like, but we can't sleep. And I'm like, I know, I can't either, <laughs> right? Because tomorrow's Christmas. And I love, like, I get so just, 
uh, like traditions. And uh, one year I almost like freaked out because we had moved and we packed a lot of our Christmas stuff and I couldn't find the manger that my grandpa had, had built, like the, the manger thing. And I was freaking out. My wife it's going to be okay. What, Christmas will still come. It's like, no, it's not the same, you know. And, and, but I love mystery. Like I get up Christmas morning at like four in the morning because I can't sleep anymore. And then I go and I get into my, <laughs> my stocking. Yes, I'm into my stocking. And it's like, oh, what did Santa bring me? And then, and then I'll wait for the kids. And it's like six o'clock rolls around. I'm like, guys, it's Christmas. Why are you still sleeping? Come on. And I'll get them out. But, but I love, like even for my birthday, I love, um, like gifts are kind of my one of the ways I receive love, which I never thought I did, uh, but, but it's definitely that way. And for my birthday, I'll be, you know, Albertine will be like, I got you your birthday present. Do you want to know what it is? Yes, I want to know. No, I don't. Yes, I do. No, I don't. Like, wait till my birthday, but give it to me now. And, and so she's terrible at, at, like, keeping secrets. So lots of times, you know, I get it before. But that idea of mystery, see, it's that idea of mystery, too, it's all throughout the book of Ephesians, this, this letter that we've been going through that Paul is writing to this, to this church in this place called Ephesus, to these people who, who God has done so many incredible things, this idea of mystery shows up over and over and over through this letter. There's six times through this letter that this idea of mystery, Paul begins to talk about mystery. And, and this morning in chapter three, we see four of those six times are in this chapter and in this section of scripture. And it's cool because it's almost like Paul's like, guys, he, what I want to show you this morning is that chapter three is like the last chapter before Paul starts getting into application for the people that he's writing to. But for the first three chapters, Paul is just kind of like, can you imagine how awesome this is? Can you even comprehend the incredible value of Christ? Can you believe what he's done? Like he just, he's just reminding people and he's just getting them pumped up for who they are in Christ and what God has done. And part of that, he's like, this is a mystery. It's like, oh, it's Christmas morning. He's like getting so excited about unpacking this thing and revealing what it is that God has done and, and what Jesus, through Jesus, that they get to walk in. And this morning, Paul begins to pray for the church in Ephesus. That's, that's, if, if you look in, in verse 1 of chapter 3, he says, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard... Okay, so then, like, right after that, as he says, on behalf of you Gentiles, his train of thought jumps the rails. All right, and if you go down to verse 14... He says, for this reason, I bow my knee before the Father. So do, do you see that? Verse 1, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ. Verse 14, for this reason, I... See, verses 2 through 13 are kind of this rabbit trail in the middle of this beautiful prayer that Paul has for the church of Ephesians. It's almost like as he's, as he's writing this out, he starts to say, for this reason. And for this reason, if you were here last week, Stan talked about God unifying the body of Christ, God bringing people from, who were far off, who were a long ways away, who didn't even know there were hope in the world, people called, considered Gentiles, people who didn't have the law, they didn't know like right or wrong, and they were just lost in sickness and darkness and hopelessness. And he said, guys, God brought you near 
And he says, for this reason. And he talks about how now there's no Gentile or Jews. We're just in one body in, in the temple of God where we get to worship God together. And he says, for this reason, because of this unity, because of what God has done, I'm going to pray this prayer. And in the middle of it, he says, you know, for you Gentiles. And then he's, it's almost like he's get, just getting so excited because of this mystery that he gets to unpack for them that he's like, oh, I got to just stop here and just do this. And there's three things that I want to talk about that I believe that, that Paul unpacks when he's talking about this mystery in this section, in this, in this rabbit trail. And then we're going to kind of land the plane in the prayer. The first thing is he talks about what the mystery actually is. He just lays it out. And he's like, it's like, you know, again, Christmas morning. Oh, you guys, here it is. Right? And he just unpacks and he's like, boom, there's your, there's your mystery. There's your present. So he unpacks what it is. He unpacks how, how much it's worth, like the worth of the mystery that he's talking about. And the last thing is he talks about how God plans to unveil the mystery to the whole world. So he talks about what it is, he talks about how much it's worth, and he talks about what God's plan is to reveal it to everyone. All right, so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So the first thing that we see, again, this is a prayer starting in verse 1. We're going to talk about what, what the mystery actually is. Verse 1, for this reason, again, for this reason, for the unity, for what God has done, for what Jesus has, has done in bringing people to himself, for this reason, I, Paul, prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, verse 2, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. Okay, stop there. As he's unpacking this mystery, he, he, kind of, he kind of sets the stage for it. He's saying, for you Gentiles, and that's where, that's where, again, his thought process jumps the rails, and he's like, assuming that you know the background here. Now, I, I want to unpack the mystery for you, but I want to set the stage. He's, he's saying, assuming that you know my, what happened to me on your behalf. Acts chapter 9, if you, if you were to go there, you, you read about Paul's conversion. How he used to be called Saul, and as, as Saul, he was this religious ruler and leader of the people, and he was on his way to this place called Damascus because he was going to persecute this new, this new form of religion called the way. And it wasn't, it wasn't Christianity back then. That was before this. Then it was called the way, and it was, it was seen as this like cult, and it was, gaining, it was gaining ground and momentum, and it was following this guy who had just been crucified. And so Paul's like, uh-uh, I'm going to stop this. And so he's been throwing people in prison. He's been like tormenting churches. And as he's on his way to Damascus, as he's, as he's on his way with a letter from, from the Sanhedrin, from all these other religious rulers, God shows up, Jesus shows up in a blinding light, knocks him off of his horse, and he's like, why are you doing this to me? And just immediately, Saul, at the time, he's like, who are you, Lord? Like, he just, he's like, okay, you're God. And that's when Jesus is like, what's up? I'm Jesus. That's who I am, right? You're going to follow me now. You're going to stop this nonsense. You're going to follow me. And Paul's like, yep, that sounds good to me. He gets blinded, and, and he goes into the town. People are, people are leading him around because he's blind. He's blind for a couple days, and then God goes to a guy named Ananias, who is a, who is a prophet, and he tells Ananias, he says, hey, go to the end of the street, straight street, and you're going to find a guy named Saul, and Saul has blinded, but I have a plan for him, and so I want you to go pray for him that he would receive his sight. And Ananias is like, uh 
God, I don't know if you know this or not, but he's a terrorist. Like, he's killed people before. Like, I know people in churches that he has put in prison, and you want me to go to him as a member of the way. You want me to go to this terrorist and pray for his eyes to be restored. How about we just pray for him to die? Like, that would be more in keeping with what I would like. You know, and, and God's, God's like, no, I have a plan for him. He's going to go preach to the Gentiles. He's going to suffer. He's going to go through all these different things. You see, what, what Paul is talking about here is he's saying, assuming that you've heard all this, Assuming that you've heard that, that for your sake, God knocked me off of my horse. For your sake, God blinded me. For your sake, I've, I've been beaten and I've been stoned and I've been, I've been shipwrecked and I've, all of these different things he said, but it's for your sake, for the sake of this mystery. That's how badly God wants us to experience Himself. See, the, this mystery, Paul's saying, all right, setting the stage for it. I don't, know if you've, I don't know if you've heard all this, but this is how badly God desires to be with his people. He, he goes on from there and he says in verse three, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation. Again, on that, on that road, Jesus reveals himself. As I have written briefly, verse four, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. Again, he's going back and this is a little bit review. And he's saying, all right, remember what I, remember what I've written to you already. Go back and read that. Pause here, right? Pause here and go back. In chapter two of, of Ephesians, Paul says things like, in, in 2, starting in verse 12, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. You who were far off have now been brought near. He's saying, when you read the things that I've already written, like, pause here, go back, remember. You kind of get a taste and insight of what, of what this mystery is, of what's, of what's happening that where there was no hope, there is now hope. Where there was no life, there is now life. That God desires relationship with lost and broken people. That God desires to bring you who were far off near to himself. And that's what has been done. And he says, go back, read it, remind yourselves. Because we need to be reminded way more often than we need to be taught, Right? I mean, how many of us, how many of us, it's like, okay, I know the truth. I, I know all that. But in reality, it's like, okay, but, but is it a reality in your life today, in this moment? We need to be reminded. And Paul's saying, remember what's happened. Remember what God has done for you. And for some of you, you're thinking, I'm not in that place. And Paul's saying, oh, this is for you too. That you would be brought near. He goes from there and in verse 5, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. We're going to come back to that verse. Verse 6, this is where he's like, all right, here it is, right? He's getting excited. Verse 6, this mystery is that the Gentiles, all right, Gentiles, remember, Gentiles, people who were far off from God, people who didn't have the law, people who were separated from God, People who didn't know there was hope in the world. People who were lost in, in just crazy sin and crazy, all, just all these witchcraft and, and prostitution and sorcery, all these different things. He says, you Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. 
There it is, right? There's the mystery. This is it. He says that he, he kind of describes it in three different ways. He says, first of all, you are fellow heirs. Right? Fellow heirs. Do I need to change microphones? No? Okay. Sounds good. All right. You are fellow heirs, right? He, he's, he's kind of going back to Genesis 12. If you, if you think back to Genesis 12, this is where Abraham is called out. And at the time, his name was Abram. And he was called out from the land of Ur, right? And God goes to Abram, Abram at the time and he says, okay, I, I'm going to make you a people. I'm going to make you a nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make my name great among you. I'm going to do all these things through you so that you will be a blessing to the nations, right? He, he says, Abraham, I want to be your God and you're going to be my people. And so he makes a covenant and that's, that's kind of the crux of the covenant. He says, I want to be among my people. So you're going to be my people and I will be your God, and I will fight for you, and I will stand for you, and we will have relationship together. And why is that important? Why is what, what God told Abraham so many years ago, why is that important? The reason it's important is in Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, Paul says this, and if you are Christ's, if you are in Christ, if you have put your hope in Christ, if you are, if you are saved by Christ, if you, are, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, Heirs according to promise. What he's saying here is he's saying the mystery is this, that Gentiles, people who are far off, they've been brought close and they enter into this promise that was given to Abraham that God will be our God and God wants to be with his people and no matter what you've done, no matter where you are, no matter, no matter the labels that you have placed on you, God is saying, I want to be your God. I want you to be in relationship with me. And that's the first thing Paul's like, oh, that's a mystery. How does that even happen? Like, that's it's ridiculous, right? He goes on from there, and he's saying not only are we heirs, but he says members of the same body. Okay, now this, this kind of goes back to the, the previous chapter two. In, in chapter two, Paul talks about how Jesus was our peace through his body. We have been, we have been brought from, from no longer are we labeled Gentile. No longer are we labeled Jew. No longer, no longer do we have these labels placed on us, what we were born into, or, or maybe what you've done in your past, and people put stamps on you, and people put labels on you. I, it reminds me of the, the story... Um, Max Locato, uh, You Are Special. Anybody re- read that book in here? Oh, come on. All right, two people? That's ridiculous. Three, four. All right, if, if you haven't read it, you need to go out and buy it. It's a children's book. It is amazing. All right, but in this book, there's these, all these little wooden people that are walking around, and what they do all day every day is they put stars or dots, these stickers, on each other. If they're impressed or if they're impressive, then they put a star on, on somebody next to them right? If they're, if they're, somebody screws up, they're like, oh, well, you're not as good as me, right? So here's a dot. You know, they place this judgment and everybody goes around trying not to get dots. Their whole day is consumed with just not getting dots and trying to get more stars than everybody else because there's this hierarchy, right? But, but the, I guess, spoiler alert, this one wooden person, he's covered in dots and all the judgment of everybody and all the stamps and all the labels and everything that have been put on him. And so finally he hears about the, the wood make, the wood carver who made all of the wooden people. And so he goes to see the wood carver. And when he goes in, the wood carver knows his name. 
And it's such a beautiful story. You see, I believe that we have been walking around and we have all these labels placed on us and, and in this time period, there's this idea of, well, you're Gentile or you're Jew and, and that's this, this ethnic label that we place ourselves under and today maybe it's like your label, your, your thing is, especially as we get closer to election, it's like, well, I'm a Democrat, I'm a Republican, I'm, I'm this, I'm, I'm an American and that, that fully encapsulates and incorporates everything that you are and it's all wrapped up into that and I believe that what we're seeing here is Paul saying, no, your identity now is child of God. All those labels, all those stars or dots, they don't matter now. And that's the mystery is that we get to be brought in no matter what labels people have placed on you, no matter what judgments, no matter, no matter what it is. Paul's saying the mystery is that we get to be brought in as one body now. And the label that we get to come under, the head that we get to come under, is loved by God, children of God. Right? And he said, oh, it's a mystery. It's crazy. How did, how did that even happen? I don't, I, I don't know, but it's awesome. He says, that's the mystery. And he goes on and says, not only, not only are we members of the same body, but partakers of the promise. Partakers of the promise. I mean, if, it, if it's not enough that we get to be heirs, that we get to be, that have God as, as in relationship with us, that so we get to be his people, not only that we get, to, we get to take off the labels that have been placed on us or the, the cultural identities that we walk under. Guys, real quick too, going back to that, that's why this idea of racism in the church is so counterintuitive to what we are to be as Christians. Because at the cross, there is no hierarchy. We come before God and we are not better than anybody else because we are all sinners in need of a savior. Right? And we come before God and we don't see people as, as this or that or cultural or, or whatever else. We should see people, even people who are still far off from God. We should see people as though they are people who are lost in need of what we have if we have God in our lives. And yet all the, too often, guys, too often, what we see instead is we see danger and threat to our way of life. And yet if we serve and if we follow a, a God, a savior who was crucified, who didn't see people as threats, but he saw them as people who needed him, then that should change the way we view others. Do you believe that? I believe that as, as, as a church, as Anthem Church, we don't see people as threats. We should see people, actually, we should see people as like, if, if it wasn't for the grace of God, I would be worse than them. But only because of the grace of God, and it is a mystery that I get to stand up here and I get to open the word up for you guys. That was a rabbit trail. But Paul does it, so I guess I'm all right in good company. He says, partakers of the promise. What we see here is this idea, it's the, it's the fullness of the promise. It's what the promise entails. And, and if, we, if you look back in chapter one, not right now, but if you look back in chapter one, he talks about the Holy Spirit being the promise. In Acts chapter, uh, Acts chapter one, Jesus, as he's getting ready to ascend into heaven, he tells the disciples, go back and wait for the promised one to come. Go back and wait for the empowering of the Holy Spirit. See, what, what Paul is talking about here is he's saying part of this mystery 
is that now not only do we get to experience God on this intellectual level and on this, but, but more like my wife and I were talking about this morning, it's like on this mystical level, this experiential level where, where God actually dwells in us. Paul talks about it in, in chapter one as kind of like a, a, a foretaste of what's to come, like us receiving God into us, like the, in, in the person of the Holy Spirit, the third party of the Trinity, him coming and being our comforter and being in us, we get to experience just a taste of what that's going to be, and yet we still battle with this sinful flesh, and we still do the things we don't want to do, and the things we do want to do, we don't do in that whole Romans 8, you know, just battle, and yet we get to experience the Holy Spirit, God dwelling in us. And in Galatians, again, Paul says, if we walk by the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Do you, do you understand? This is why Paul is saying, oh, this is a mystery. This is so incredible. This is so awesome. Remember who you are. You, as a child of God, have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. And you are no longer just, I hate hate when people say, well, I'm just, a, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, you're not, right? No, you're not. That's not what the Bible says you are. The Bible says you are more than a conqueror. The Bible says that we are no longer slaves to sin. We are dead to that. Do we still battle? Yes. Will we always? I think so, <laughs> right? But the incredible thing about that is that God says, I want to dwell in you, and I'm going to give you the power. I'm going to give you everything you need. Just walk with me and step with me. Just, just rely on me. Guys, that's what, if you come in here this morning, and I don't know where you're at spiritually. I don't know what you have experienced before this. We see this mystery is for you. This mystery is for me. This mystery is for all of us, that we get to be heirs. And, and he says, it is through Jesus Christ, through Christ Jesus, through the gospel. The gospel is that it wasn't because of anything you did. You didn't do anything to save yourself, but it was because of the love of which God loved us that he saved us through grace. He goes back in, in verse 5, if you read verse 5, he says, which this mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men and other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and the prophets by the Spirit. He's talking about, he's like, it's, it's all throughout Scripture too. If you look through, through different places in Scripture, it, it's like there's, there's just glimpses of it all throughout the Old Testament. He's saying it's, it's Jesus is the missing piece that, that people who, who kind of had a foreshadowing, they didn't know it was going to come about in this way. And now as we know, as we, it's revealed that Jesus is the one, we can go back in scripture and we can see and it's like, oh, there's a foreshadowing. It reminds me of when I was a kid, my, my uh, sister, my older sister had this Miss Piggy puppet. And it was like this big, like this, like one of those foam, like freaky glass eyes. Like, like this is the stuff of horror movies. I mean... I was terrified of this thing. And, and it, the, the crazy part about it was it, it seemed like wherever I went, that Miss Piggy puppet would just show up. I'm not, I'm not kidding. I mean, it would just show, like if I was walking into the family room, it would be sitting on the couch. And, you know, I'd walk in and it's like, look, 
You know, like one of those things. And one day, one day I was like, I am sick and tired of this Miss Puppet ruining my life, right? So I, I rushed in. It was in the living room. I rushed in. I grabbed it, you know, and like worked up all my courage, all my just like strength and tenacity as a, I don't know how old I was, probably seven or so. And I ran in, grabbed the Miss Piggy Puppet, and I ran into the bathroom, and I opened up the cabinet there, uh, just yeah, I opened up the cabinet, I threw the Miss Piggy Puppet, and then I shut it, and I was like, praise God, you know, like, the, the terror, the rain, the Miss Piggy Puppet is over, but then I couldn't use that bathroom anymore, but that's, you know, whatever. Well, I find out, like, just a couple years ago, I found out that my dad had been moving that Miss Piggy Puppet around to torment me. <laughs> yeah, isn't that messed up? I mean, I do the same thing to my kids, but it's, <laughs> but it was, it's interesting because when, when he told me that, and I don't remember how we got onto the subject, but when he told me that and he's laughing and, you know, he's a big guy and he's like, oh, you know, and, and I'm just like sitting and just my whole worldview is crumbling. You know, it's like, I look back at some of the things it's like, Oh, that makes more sense now. <laughs> oh, you know, the pieces start to come into play. And what Paul is saying here is he's saying, look, you know, you look at Adam and Eve. You look at right when, when they eat the fruit and, and God is putting curses on them. But then he says, but there will be enmity. He's talking to Eve and he says, I'm going to put enmity, enmity between your offspring and the serpent. And you're going to bite his heel and he's going to crush your head. Right from the beginning, he's saying, Some, somehow I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring my people back to me. If you, if you look at the story of David and Goliath, David and Goliath, I mean, we can read it as, as if we just put our trust and hope in Jesus and God, we can slay the giants in our life. Is that true? That's an actual question. Is that true? If we put our hope in Jesus, can we slay the giants in our life? Yes. That is not necessarily what that story is about, though. It is a foreshadowing that, some, that Jesus has already slayed the giants in our life. See, we're not the David in that story. We're the Israelites on the hill cowering before this impossible giant of a problem, of a situation, which is sin and death itself. And you see, when we read that in light, in the lens of Jesus and the gospel, we see that Jesus is David. And Jesus has killed that giant for us already, and we get to walk out in victory. Isn't that amazing? When you read stories like Abraham and Isaac, and, and Abraham's going to, to sacrifice his son on this mountain, right? And, then, and yet God's like, no, don't touch him. Now I know that you know, your heart is for me, and he sees a ram over in the bush. When we read that through the lens of the gospel of Jesus, we see that, oh, there has been a substitutionary sacrifice on our part, we read that, and it's like, how is God going to do this? It's, you read through the whole narrative of the Old Testament, and it points towards this idea of God's going to redeem us, his people. And then Paul says here, yeah, the mystery is, it's Jesus. It's the gospel. He says, guys, enter into that. Some of us, we just need to be reminded of it. Some of us here need to enter into it. Not only, not only does, he, does he talk about what it is, but he talks about what it's worth, right? In verse 7, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, 
and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Do you catch Paul's attitude and his, his language here? He's saying this mystery that's been given to me to give to others, to give to those who are still far off. He said, this is, this is grace. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to be a part of this. He says, this is a gift of God's grace that I get to be a part of it. Do you realize? Let's let's read verse one again. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. See, he's not saying prisoner like, oh, God's locked up my heart for him. Like, it's it's not a figurative thing. He's saying, I'm actually in prison, right? It's like, I actually have chains on my arms right now. As I, as I tell this, as I, as I write this letter to you, in, in verse 13, he says, so I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Paul is actually in prison. And in, in prison, as his freedoms are being restricted, as he's getting ready to die for this message that he has preached, he's saying, guys, this is awesome, Right? This is a, this is a mystery, and, and part of that mystery is that I get to be a part of it. I don't even understand it because I'm the least of all these. That's the worth of this. He says it's the un, unsearchable riches of Christ. I, if, you, if you look in, again in Acts 20, we see how this kind of plays out. Acts 20, verse 22 through 24, this is Paul. He's, he's bringing the, the leaders of the Ephesians, the church in Ephesus, he's bringing them together and he's kind of saying, hey, this is what's going to happen. And he says, and now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not count my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. He's saying, I'm going to Jerusalem, and, and I don't know necessarily what's going to happen there, but I know that, that by all these different people talking to me and all this different stuff happening, that I'm probably going to be put in prison. And I'm going to, uh, all these different things are going to happen. But he says, I don't care. This is so much more worth it than my freedom. He's saying, this is the worth of this message. This is the worth of this, of this mystery. Is it, it doesn't matter what I have to go through. This is a blessing that I get to be a part of it. Guys, his attitude, it's the same reason that people, that people move overseas to be missionaries, to take this mystery to people who have not yet heard. Do you realize that there are still millions heard this gospel there are millions of people in our world today who who don't know and it's that it's that attitude it's that reality that drives people to sell everything and go overseas and preach it to them it's that it's that attitude and the reality that that causes people in foreign places like iowa to sell houses and to to leave to leave the frozen tundra to come to missouri right and start churches and campus ministries. It's that, it's that attitude that says, this, what else would I be a part of? I get to be a part of unfolding this mystery to other people. It's like me on Christmas morning waking my kids up saying, come on guys, it's Christmas, you know? And, and they wake up, oh, you know, it's a good start to the morning, right? And he's saying, uh, what else would I be a part of? 
And yet, I think the reality in there, too, is that sometimes it's easy to do the big gestures, right? Like, when I was, when I was doing youth ministry, I asked, uh, I asked my kids, I'm like, hey, guys, um, how many of you would take a bullet for your mom, right? Like, like if someone was going to shoot your mom, how many of you would jump in front of that bullet? <laughs> of course, everybody is like, oh, I totally would do that. Like, not even a hesitation. I'd totally jump in front of that bullet for my mom. And then it's like, okay, that's great. How many of you would do the dishes for your mom, right? And then it's like, oh, uh, I mean, a bullet, sure, but <laughs> dishes, ugh. Right? The, the idea of those big gestures, it's like, absolutely. How many of us, you know, it's like when it comes to, it comes to selling a house, we're like, okay, yeah. But then we also see the person standing beside us in the line at the, at the grocery store as an inconvenience if they take a little longer. Or we see people that we pass by on campus and all we see is the label that's been placed on them. See, we want to do a big gesture and we say, well, of course it's worth it. And yet in reality, our everyday lives, does it reveal the worth of the mystery that we get to be a part of? I wonder. Right? The last thing, not only does he unpack what it is, not only does he reveal the worth of it, but he also shows how God intends to unveil that mystery to everyone. Uh, verse 9 says, And to bring to life for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Isn't that interesting? It's like he's building up and he's talking about, oh, this is what the mystery is. Let's unpack that. And then he's saying, oh, this is how much it's worth the in, incomparable, unsearchable riches of Christ. And he's like, guess what? Guess how God is going to re- reveal that to everyone. Guess how God is going to unpack that. You ready? It's like drum roll. Like drum roll, please. Right? You know, and, and Paul's like, it's a church. And I wonder if some of us would be like, ah, what? Right? Like, what an anticlimactic ending to that, right? The church. And yet what we see as Paul is talking about the church, the, the, the word for church, ecclesia, the, the gathering of people who, who, have, who, have, who are heirs, who are, who are members of the promise, who are members of one body and all these different things, is he's saying, you guys coming together, he says that's, that, is a, that is a message to the world. When we come together as broken people who are loved by God without labels, the only label we have is child of God, loved by God. When we come together and as we work as the church and as we be the church and, and without the, all, all these different things, when we come together, that is a message to the world about the, it says the manifold wisdom of God. That manifold, that word manifold is like, it's a, it's a poetic word that talks about just like a, an incredible fabric, like a cloak that you wear that's just intricate. And every time you look at it, you see different aspects of it and you see different colors and, and maybe it's like sequenced up and bedazzled and all these different things. And it's like every time you look at it, there's something else. 
And it's like us coming together as the church, we show the world the incredible wisdom of God, and we get to show the world the mystery of God as the church, as the body coming together. And I'll be the first one to say that that hasn't been my experience very often. Man, I've been, I've been a part of churches where there, are, there is more backbiting than there is unity. I've been a part of churches where, where we have been wounded by people in the church because those labels are so affixed that the only thing they can see is the label that's on us. I've been a part of churches where, where outside of the church, there's, there's all this politics going on and people are jockeying for position and I've been a part of a church where, where people who are wounded and hurting come in, and yet because of their wounds, they are not welcomed in, they're actually shunned. And that's not what Paul is saying that we're supposed to be. And, and yet, I mean, it's, we're, all, we're all screwed up. We're all sinners. And just because, guys, I, I want to say sorry if that's been your experience. I want to be sorry on behalf of those, those different churches or, or what, whoever they were and whatever you've experienced, sorry, right? I don't want to downplay that because there have been so many people wounded. Broken people have got the plan of God wrong. Doesn't mean the plan of God is broken, right? It says, guys, want you to come together because this is the way through the church. This is not only the message, and he says it's to the, it's to the prince uh, powers of the air. Let me read it again. He says, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. He's saying not only is it going to be made known to everybody when you come together, but like the demonic forces in this world, like the evils of this world. Guess what? When we come together as a church, working as a church, coming together on equal ground before God in the grace and mercy of God, what that is, it's a, it's a banner. It's a battle cry. It's a rallying cry. And what it does is it shows the evil forces of the this world and he says God is one and we're a part of it oh right like doesn't it just it's like Braveheart and I realize my movie references are getting outdated but come on right it's like oh we're we're a part of this thing and God is one and yes sin and hate and all these things are still a reality in our world today, but us coming together as the people of God, it's a proclamation to the, all the evil forces out there that says, I know we're still in the midst of the battle, but the war is already won. Praise God. See, and in all of this, as he unpacks the mystery, as he says, this is what it is, as he says, this is how much it's worth, don't you want to be a part of that? And as he says, okay, it's the church that's going to reveal that to everybody else, then he goes into his prayer. And that's where I want to stop this morning. Because if we are going to be that, if we're going to experience the mystery that God has for us, if we're going to be the people that come together who say, man, what else would I want to do? I want to be a part of this. Big gestures and little ones. I want it to be a reality in my everyday life. And as we come together and as we say, yes, I want to be, I want to be the church. I want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of that message, that battle cry, that rallying cry. He says the only way we're going to do that is through the reality of Jesus in our lives, the grace of Jesus in our lives. So let's, let's read the prayer. He picks it up again in verse 14. For this reason, 
I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner beings, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Guys, Paul's prayer for us is that we would experience the mystery of God, that we experience not only in an intellectual sense, but in an experiential sense, that we would experience what that mystery is in our everyday lives. And for some of you, again, for some of you in here, you, you, just, you don't even know what that means, but I'm asking you this morning, will you put your faith and would you put your trust in Jesus? Because he has this mystery, and that mystery is for you to experience. And he says, oh, that mystery is so incredible. We can't even get to the bottom of it. It's so bottomless and so incredibly amazing what Jesus has done. And for those of us here who who would say, I've already put my faith and hope in there, Paul's prayer is that it would continue to be a reality in your life. What does that look like for you? What does that look like for you in your job? What does that look like for you in your class what does that look like for you, for the, that mystery to play itself out in your life? Let's pray. God, we praise you. We thank you for this mystery that you have re- revealed to us and for us and through us and in us, God. I praise you for, for the truth of your word. And God, I pray that you would help us as the church. I pray that you would help us as people who were once far from you, as people who were once without even knowing there's hope in the world, God, I pray that for us, that you would bring us close to you, God, that you would, uh, for those of you who, who are still far from you, who are still trapped and lost in their sin and brokenness, God, I pray that the reality of that, of that mystery, that they can be heirs, God, that they can be partakers of the promise, that they can be part of one body under you, God, I pray that that reality would be a reality for them today. And God, for for the rest of us, God, I pray that that would be a reality every single day of our lives, that we would be a part of that rallying cry, that as Paul prayed, that we would experience the depth of your love. We praise you, God. We thank you, and it's in your name. Amen.